What's up, guys? This is Lepatty Ball, back with another episode of the Semi-Pro NBA Pod, and I'm here yet again with my co-host Sam. What is up, Sam? How's it going, Lepatty? How you how you doing this week? It's been a crazy, eventful week. Yeah, man. You know, I've missed basketball a little bit, but I've played a lot of Lego Batman too, so that kind of helped subside that somewhat. At least until now, until tomorrow. Um, At least our listeners yeah. know that we're cool. Yes, yeah, you know, but it has been a crazy week. Um, I thought we could just talk about the, the suspension of games, the postponement of a couple games. What are your thoughts on that, Sam? I'll let you lead this one off. All right, well, this is something that I've said for just about all, not just about all sports. I always stand by this. I'm always with the players. The players are the ones putting their bodies on the line. The players are the ones going out there and putting in work. The players are the ones who are making everybody money making the organization money, making themselves money, making the owners money. If that's going to be the case, which it will continue to be, I'm always going to stand with the players. If the players think that sitting out is the right thing to do for their message, I stand by that. I stand by the organizations doing the same. I stand by progressing as a whole. There is undeniable inequality in our country, and it needs addressing. Whether that's somebody who has a blue check mark and 30 million followers who's tweeting something out about it, whether it's marching in the streets, whether it's us doing the best we can with the platform we have. We need change. These players are trying to instill change, and I can do nothing but stand but stand with them and stand by that. No, yeah, I totally agree with you, man. I, uh, I was really proud of the players because stopping games is huge. Like... Them protesting in the streets is one thing that's really cool, but stopping games is just massive because then it makes everybody else have to think. Like all the owners are like, hey, we're not getting any revenue from this right now. Nobody's watching this. They're not even playing. It kind of puts the pressure on the owners to actually help make change and other people related to the owners and stuff like that. And it helps the people up top kind of realize that they need to do something instead of just saying i could do something and just not fully or just post about it but i was really proud of the players for that because that's a big step to make and that's such a hard thing to decide like okay we're gonna stop playing because that's for a lot of guys they need this they need to make money like a lot of the not a lot of the stars they can just take a break for a little bit but even the guys to like at the bottom who are the minimum contract guys to say like, yeah, we should stop playing. Like that's pretty significant to me. And I think that you brought up a point that I heard made by, um, I believe Rachel Nichols over at ESPN. She's fantastic. Does great work for them. She brought up the great point that with the suspension of play, you're right. The pressure is then put on the owners. The owners are the individuals who have the actual possibility to create change. The owners are the people who are often some of the most important people within their communities some of those important people within their cities, within their states, they are actually the ones who have the power to communicate with the people who can help instill change. I think that by suspending play, you are putting pressure on a lot of owners, and I think there's a lot of owners who have acted accordingly. And I think that that stoppage in play, I don't know if there is necessarily super a super tangible difference made, but what has been done is that yet again the word has been spread and has been pushed more, and that's such a good thing. It's such a good thing to see all of these organizations, whether it's the NBA, NHL, MLB, the NFL, even suspending practices. I think that it's 
putting pressure in the right places. And what does pressure create? Pressure creates diamonds. Hopefully that's exactly what we'll see happen here. No, yeah, I think this is a really great first step that the players kind of spurred on. And I'm excited to see where we go from here, both as a country. I don't know why I said both, because that was the only thing as a country. And maybe as a humanity, as a... That's a really terrible phrase. As a humanity. <laughs> you can quote me on that. As a humanity. Um, now, I mean, looking at this from a basketball standpoint, I wanted to ask you... What team – is there a team that you think like – I mean obviously everybody benefits from these stoppage like in terms of real-world situations. But in terms of basketball, is there a team that could benefit from a few days rest when they would have had to play to – yes, a Wednesday or Thursday or today? I think of one team in particular that I think definitely benefited from there being a couple of days off. And it's a team that we're going to be talking about a little bit later. But the Houston Rockets just took a huge breath. They went up 2-0 in the series. They were looking fantastic. Lost a couple to Oklahoma City. It started looking dicey. It was kind of unsure whether Westbrook would be back for the remainder of the series or not. It wasn't really super obvious. And then, boom, stoppage. The Rockets get to breathe. Westbrook gets to get a little healthier. And I think that the team was able to reassess and reorganize. And if I'm an Oklahoma City fan, I'm nervous about what that reassessment and reorganization means. Thanks. Thanks for bringing that up. That makes me feel really good. I'm just trying not to think about it. But, yeah, the Rockets have definitely benefited. And at the other end, Oklahoma City is seems to be the team that is getting a little bit – not really getting the best, best – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Best things. I'm just going to say things. I guess that's – They're not getting the advantage best. that you would hope they would. Yes, there you go. Thank you for finishing my sentence. But yeah, they were they have been looking pretty hot. Um I was kind of expecting that to continue going into game 5 on Wednesday because they've played really well in crunch time the past couple games. So I was expecting that again. But now with the stoppage kind of slows down the momentum a little bit, especially with Westbrook getting back in the series. That adds a whole another layer to the series after it seemed like Oklahoma City had kind of figured out a way to get to get some wins playing Houston and they kind of figured out what they wanted to do and look like as a team but this will be a very interesting series the rest of the way I think both of these teams are very talented and I I still think this is going to be a fun series even if it's Houston and six I think it'll still be a fun six even if they win out I'm, I'm really excited to see how this series concludes And I keep forgetting. I thought you were going to say something, dude. You just give me this look. Okay, okay. I guess I'll just go to the next topic. Um, so the next topic I had, everybody in the world is going crazy about Luka Doncic right now. And rightfully so. The man is putting on a show. He is playing at such a high level. I love the way he controls the game. It feels like he's... Even if he's not shooting it great, he's always kind of in control, in my opinion. I feel like he's always got a good handle on the game, and he can impact it in so many ways other than just scoring. But I was going to ask you, Sam, is Luka a superstar right now to you, or is he just a very high-level star? Um, Luka's a superstar. I think he is. I think that he is in the conversation. He's a top four guard in the Western Conference right now, I think. It's there's an argument to be made that 
guys like Donovan Mitchell and even Jamal Murray are making right now over in that Denver-Utah series. But, yeah, besides Curry, Dame, Harden, I have a hard time figuring out who's next. Do I think that he's necessarily the most elite of elite yet? No, I don't think he's in that top three guard list. But it's undeniable that he's become a superstar. I think superstardom is partially how good you are. On the other hand, it's partially how you're received by fans, and fans are receiving him like a superstar. If everybody's acting like a superstar, he's playing like a superstar, it's kind of difficult to say he isn't one. Yeah, I think he's. I think the way he can shoot up from the fourth best guard in the West to the first is maybe improving a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. Like he's not terrible, but if he if he became, I would say, good on that side, like solid, he could pass up the likes of Curry and Harden and Dame, who are not necessarily known for their defense. If he makes his defense a little bit more something he's known for, I feel like he could get up there. And he's only. 20 it's 21 i think i'm totally blanking i'm pretty sure it's 21 but he's still very young and i think he is i think he's gonna i honestly think he's gonna get a couple mvps like he is playing it at mvp level this year and i think he can snag a couple of those awards i don't know if he'll get a ring because it all that more depends on the team aspect of it because even no matter how good a player is it kind of depends on the team to get a ring. Unless you're LeBron and you could just carry those trash rosters to the finals. You're, I mean, Luka could do that. But I'm just very excited to see where he goes from here. And I, I see you shaking your head a little bit, Sam. I mean, it's early to be comparing a player to the ability of LeBron, especially when it comes to dragging a team to the finals. I don't think that... I don't think there are very many people who could have ever taken the 2007... Cleveland Cavaliers, the 2018 Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't think those teams are getting to finals with just about any other player ever except for LeBron James. But Luka could completely prove me wrong, and I would be interested in seeing that just for the sake of the game. But it's really difficult for me to sit here right now and be like, yeah, no, he could absolutely be doing LeBron-esque things. Even even five, ten years from now, that's still going to be a heck of a mountain to climb. I do respect your point. I I feel like he could. I'm not put I'm not saying I'm putting money on this. I'm just saying from what we've seen out of him, if his trajectory keeps going up, I think he could in like four or five years. I'm not not calling it. I'm just saying. I think it's definitely possible. Cause he he played very well as a rookie last year. I did not predict him to make this kind of a jump that he's made this year, but he did and I I honestly think he could he could do he can continue make jump to make jumps like this big jumps that nobody predicts as much but again you never know he could turn into the next Greg Oden or Brandon Roy shout out to Blazers <laughs> That's just because I went after the Thunder earlier isn't it No I no 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 I just wanted to it was it was fun, dude. I have a Greg Oden bobblehead in my room. Like as you should. Years. I have one too. Really? Is it? it it's the no same. It's the That's... same. It's the same red jersey one. Yeah, I'm sure it is. That is awesome. Wow. I didn't. I didn't know you had that. Yeah, oh, I've my got. My friend got me that as a birthday gift, as a joke, and it was pretty funny. And he didn't know who Greg Oden was, so it was even funnier. Oh, that is funny. I've got a. I've got a. I've got a host of former Trailblazers and former NBA stars whose names you'd vaguely remember. I think I've got a Steve Blake bobblehead somewhere. 
Oh. I'm pretty sure okay. I've got I'm pretty sure I've got a Nate McMillan dressed in a full suit bobblehead somewhere. Shout out former Indiana Pacers coach. I was kind of bummed about that. Like, I mean, I get, I kind of get why they fired him. He hasn't had too much success, but I feel like a decent chunk of it's been injuries, and he, I, I think he's a good coach, but sometimes mm. it's just how it happens. Nate McMillan is a, the type of coach that you want to take a really bad organization and turn it around. He will turn around the culture. He will turn around the identity of the team. He will make them a stout defensive team, but I think in his 10 years in Seattle, Portland, and Indiana – He's proven that he's not the coach that's going to get you past the first round very often. He'll get you into the playoffs. He'll take you from nothing to something. But I think you need another piece, another coach in there to take you from something to something real special. Okay. Yeah, I, I get that. More uh, more like uh, Brett Brown, guy and a guy. <sighs> that guy did deserve to get fired, though. That is one guy I will say that about. But... Why is Anyways. that? Why is that? Why is that? We're talking NBA. Why is that? I just he. I just never thought he was a great coach. Like he would always, like he can't. He couldn't really confront someone about something. Like not even talking about his basketball ability. He could um, like the whole Ben Simmons shooting debate. Like the team was trying to get him to. And I remember there was a like a post game interview where Brett Brown was just like. Yeah, I kind of wish Ben would shoot more threes, but apparently he just didn't talk to him about it. He just said it in the interview. So Ben was Ben apparently just didn't shoot a three for like twenty games outside of like a last quarter, like last second heave at the end of a quarter. But I that that's one thing you got to have as a coach. You got to be able to talk to somebody. That was one thing that irked me about Billy Donovan for a while. Is like I feel like he just let Westbrook and Paul George kind of just, you know, I'm going to let you guys do your thing. I'm not going to say, hey, try not to shoot so many threes, Russ, even though you can't shoot. I mean, go for it. It's it's whatever. We'll just work around it. It's just like you got to be able to confront somebody as a head coach. So that's one thing that bothered me. And I feel like he just – some of the moves they made while he was there, I mean, I know it's not fully on him, but like bringing in Al Horford – I liked it at the time, but it just it just sucked. It sucked so much. The I don't you can't have a supersized front court in today's NBA. I learned that really fast after watching them. I, I was like, oh, it might work. Al Harford can space it a little bit, but it was terrible. So I just I just did not think he was a great head coach. That's just my personal opinion, though. I mean, he might have a different opinion about himself than I do, but I I don't know. That's just my thoughts. Okay, there are two other. NBA head coaches who were fired in the recent weeks, and there is no replacement for it yet. The first one, Alvin Gentry down there in New Orleans. I forgot he was fired. I forgot about that. I mean... Oh, yeah, the Pelican kids cut ties with him after five seasons. Only one trip to the playoff in that time. Yeah, I, I, I would have maybe liked to see him do another season there because it kind of seemed like... The Pelicans team that we saw before the restart or before the hiatus and the Pelicans team we saw after were two different ball clubs because it, guys like Lonzo, I've heard that Lonzo did not seem very locked in and his performances, you could easily make the guess that that was true because he played very poorly in the bubble. And some of the decisions with Zion in the bubble were a little questionable, like not playing him in the first like last six minutes of their first game against utah when it was a really close game like he, he i get he had a minutes restriction 
but you would still want him on the like I would take his other minutes and put them so he could be on the court for like the last five minutes. So some of his moves were a little questionable, but I I still think he could have gotten another season because he the whole AD thing happened and I don't know I he wasn't a great coach, but I mean they could have just given another season maybe get sneak into the playoffs. I don't know. I I do see it makes sense. The move made sense though. As much as I wanted to see him play, have one more season to coach, but that's just me. Who was the other head coach, Sam? That uh, that was well. What I will tell you, the other coach, Jim Boylan of the Chicago Bulls, fired August fourteenth. Can you guess what his all time record was coaching in Chicago? Uh, worse. Really bad. Thirty four and thirty nine. Excuse me. Thirty nine wins. Eighty four losses. Mm. I I need to I I want to look at what winning percentage that is really fast. I'm gonna do some some math here. Oh, that's a 31 percent win 31 percent winning percentage. That sounds wrong. That's if you were if you were batting in the majors, he might be making all he might be making an, uh, a good a good push for a Hall of Fame spot with that. He could be a really good Oregon State Beavers head coach. That's a good level for them to be at. He should consider taking his talents to the football side. An absolutely unnecessary shot over the bow that I 100% appreciate. I I am always okay with shots of the Oregon State Beavers for no reason and at any time. I'm okay with that. That's fine with me. You're welcome to do as many of those as you like. This is this is a show where that's encouraged, even though it's an NBA show. Shots of the Beavers are always welcome. But, yeah, I, I was perfectly okay with Jim Boylan being fired. I... Have you heard about some of the stuff he would do at practice, like the practice schedules he would have? Weird. Yeah. It's like, hmm, you're playing like three games in four days, and on the fourth day, you're going to put a practice in there? Why would you do that? It's just, it just boggles the mind. It's stupid. And he would do like sprints at those practices. Like, do you want to lose, dude? I don't know, dude. Uh, that guy deserved to be fired. I'm Chicago Bulls fans should be pretty happy right now, and nobody should be complaining about that move, except maybe him. The Chicago Bulls fans that I do know are very, very excited about this move. They appreciate anybody coaching over Jim Boylan. I'm pretty sure that you could bring in an orangutan with a, with a good-looking suit, and they would appreciate that coaching a little bit better than they would Jim Boylan. Moving on, I want to tee this one up for you because we are going to be talking about your favorite team here, the Thunder and the Rockets. We talked about it a little bit, but with Westbrook returning here shortly, do you think that that's going to seriously affect the way that the Rockets are playing in this series? And are you excited to kind of see that guy that you rooted for for so long playing against you, possibly burying you in the playoffs? Well, I mean... To be fair, Westbrook has buried the Thunder before in the playoffs and occasionally. He was just on the team, i.e. Uh, last year against the Blazers. I He played awful that series, but enough about that. Um, I'm, gonna, I, I'm, I'm not going to be watching the game because I haven't watched the last two games, and they are 2-0, so I'm just going to keep doing that strategy. But it'll definitely be weird having Russell Westbrook play for the other team. And it, it does make me kind of sad because even though there was not a lot of success in that era, I mean, there was when KD was there, but in the post-KD era, there was not a lot of success. I 
I still really love that guy. His energy is awesome. I've watched that guy since 2012 when I became a Thunder fan. I, I've just grown up watching Westbrook. And sometimes it can be really fun. Sometimes it isn't. And you're just like, don't shoot another three, dude. Please. This is a playoff game. Um, but it'll be weird seeing him on the other side. I do think it will have both a positive and a bit of a negative effect on the way the Rockets play because his presence will create a bunch of energy. I mean, he's been doing that on the bench, but even more in the game. And his driving ability is awesome. It's going to – especially if the Thunder start to play. They've been playing a little bit more small ball recently. So if they do that with no Adams on the floor at times, that'll be deadly. But I do think the Rockets' ball movement in this series has been phenomenal. And I think Westbrook – does have a tendency to hold on to the ball for a little bit too long at times and kind of just be like, get into scoring mode. I'm going to shoot this mid-range jump shot. It's not the best quality shot, but I'm going to do it. And I do think that will have a little bit of an effect on the way the Rockets move the ball. And some possessions might stall, and that might favor Oklahoma City. I do think this will still be a really close series. I could see the Thunder winning it in six. I could see the Thunder winning it in seven. I could see the Rockets doing either of those. I Well, you just named Westbrook. all the options. Oh well, I actually, yeah, yeah, I can see, I can see any one of those happening. I can't see anyone winning it in five though, because you need to get to four wins and it's tied at two, so you need two games to do that. But I could see one of the, either team winning in six or seven games. Definitely. A an outrageous prediction here on the podcast yet again, Mr. Lapati Ball going way outside of his comfort zone, <laughs> clearly, just to just to bring hot takes to you. Yeah, I'm calling it right now. No one is winning that series in five games. <laughs> Remember when I said I'm not going to raise up my arms on the podcast? I already, I already did it. You did it. I already I did it. Necessary one though. I already did it. Saying something really stupid. I already did it. <laughs> but yeah, Sam, um, do you have any thoughts on that? Do you think that series is going to look a little different with Westbrook being there? Russell Westbrook will always add such an explosive element. He'll always also, in my opinion, add an element of, I guess the best way to put it is carelessness at times. Whether it's bad shot selection, whether it's just dumb mistakes, they're, they're going to happen. So Oklahoma City needs to be ready to take advantage of those. But the explosion that he can be is just too much to topple. And I think that especially this year having a guy like James Harden who's so dangerous from everywhere, everywhere on the court, it takes a lot of pressure off of Westbrook. He doesn't need to be the guy to make the jump shot. He can do his thing. He can get to the rim. He can be explosive. He can blow by people. He can try to create steals and try to get in there, get rebounds, get assists. He can play his game. I think Russell Westbrook's game is at its best when he's not necessarily looking to be the number one scoring option. He's at his best when he's the second maybe even third option, but what he's doing so well is creating opportunities either by getting rebounds and creating possessions or by making the right pass at the right time. Russell Westbrook does bring a lot to the game, even if sometimes he can bring in some negative aspects like you were talking about, bad shot selection, carelessness. He has so many turnovers. Good God. Him and Harden are like turnover machines at times. Sometimes they can play really efficiently, but that'll be an interesting series. To, I think the most intriguing series that's left because it's the only one that's tied right now. Um, 
staying out west, out west in uh, Orlando, Florida, because that's where everything is now. Um, Jazz Nuggets, I want to ask you, is anything going to stop Jamal Murray? Is is he going to keep doing this? Is an act of God even going to stop him at this point? I think that the two givens of this series is that, all right, Jamal Murray's going to get his, Donovan Mitchell's going to get his. Other than that, let's see what happens. Both guys, if you let them, they will score 50. They proved it. So those two guys, I almost want to say they count each, they cancel each other out. It's not about those two. They're each going to do their thing. They're probably going to line up against each other. One player's going to go out there, score 45, 7 assists. The other one's going to go out there, score 40, somehow of 11 assists. It's going to be... They're both going to put up their numbers. They're both going to play their game. I think what this series comes down to is the other players on this team. I know we're going to talk about one specifically here in a little bit, but Jamal Murray has just been playing so fantastic in this series, only to be outshined by the only other player who could possibly be any better in this series, and that's Donovan Mitchell. You have here, if you could start a franchise with one of them, who are you picking? And I'm going Donovan Mitchell right here. Donovan Mitchell is, in my opinion, a not quite as good a defender, but I think he's a better scorer. I think he can score from more places more efficiently. And I think that he also plays a really good inside-outside kind of game. Him and Gobert play really well together, especially when they can be moving the ball around as well as they have been. I think that that's what makes Utah so good. And I think it's also the rest of their, their not just their bench, but the, the rest of their supporting cast that makes them so dangerous. No, yeah. Um, I thought Utah was going to struggle without Bogdanovich this series, but they haven't as much. So I Part of it is playing – the Denver defense has not been very good. I Especially Michael Porter Jr., he has been unplayable at times because of his defense, and that kind of shocked me. But I – I'm going to agree with you on the which one am I taking to start the franchise. I'm taking Mitchell. I mean, I will admit, Murray's a little bit better of a passer, and he's more a little bit of a pure point guard, and he can he can defend a little better. But Donovan Mitchell can score from anywhere. He showed us this in his rookie year when he took down Oklahoma City. He he just keeps growing. And playing very well. He had a little bit... I, I remember his sophomore season wasn't as strong as his rookie year. It was still similar. I know he didn't shoot the ball as well. But he has played so well in these playoffs. And I would easily take him right now. I mean, Murray has been balling. And that is obvious. He's playing so well. They're, they're both just playing at a level... I don't know if I've ever seen two guys play at this high of a level in a playoff series. Like, in terms of just pure scoring output. Like... The numbers they're putting up are insane. Donovan's averaging a little under 40 a game. That's in, in the playoffs. That's insane. And it's just awesome to see. This is such a fun series. I, I don't know if the Nuggets can necessarily catch up because their defense, I don't think their defense is going to help them get two more wins, but I could see them taking it to seven. It's going to be a fun series the rest of the way for sure. And Sam, I'm going to throw this, I'm going to pitch this question to you. You gotta hit it. You gotta hit it out of the park, just like the basketball players do. They they hit the home run. Um, do you see? Because right now the Clippers Mavs series is three two. Do you see the Jazz if they move on? Do you see them giving a similar challenge to the Clippers? Mm-hmm. 
You can talk Maybe. Maybe. If Donovan Mitchell can kind of do what Luka Doncic is doing now, maybe. But I also think that these two teams are built differently. Number one, we have to remember that Christos Porzingis, he's currently has a meniscus injury. So that's going to really change the outlook of that series. I also think that he's a much more skilled big man than Gobert is. I, feel, I think Gobert is a center and he's a classic center in that he wants to stay inside. He's a good defender. You don't want to really drive on him. But when was the last time you heard of Rudy Gobert knocking down the outside shot? I think that's what's kind of been killing the Clippers is just that ability to stretch the f- floor. I think that's going to be a much harder assignment against when Utah's out there trying to do it, especially still with no Bogdanovich out there. It's going to be really hard to spread the floor the way they want to. I think that you're going to put Kawhi Leonard, lock him up on uh, Donovan Mitchell, and that's going to be that's going to be the show right there. Yeah, I think that'll still be an interesting series, and I feel like that's one we'll probably get, and I think we'll still have a, quite a few fun games in there, but... I do agree with your point on that. Um, Segwaying a little bit, let's talk about Nikola Jokic. I feel like he has been a little bit disappointing in this series, in my opinion. Not like a lot, like he still put up numbers, but I feel like he could be playing a little bit of a higher level. Do you think this series has changed the way you personally view Nikola Jokic? Because I feel like he's especially been a non-factor in the fourth quarter at times. I mean, granted, they have been deferring to Murray, but still... Would like to see a little more production in the fourth from him. What are your thoughts, Sam? I think it's undeniable that Jokic has been a little bit disappointing. I know that I've sung his praises before. He's supposed to be the best player on this Denver team, and he hasn't looked like it. He's looked like the second option. He needs to be more assertive. People have often said he's probably the best offensive center in the NBA at this point. He's got range. He's got post moves. He's got strength. He's got size. He's got the ability to shoot over just about anybody. He's a great passer. We need to be seeing more of that. In the fourth quarter, I need to see plays designed for Nikola Jokic. I need to see him be aggressive. I need to see him take the ball and do his thing with it. And I haven't really seen that. I think that Nikola Jokic has looked more passive than I want to see him look here. I want to be him to be aggressive. I want him to look for his shot, look for the ball. I haven't seen that. Has it, de- has it changed how I look at him as an NBA player? No, not really. Everybody has a bad series now and then. I wouldn't even say he's having a bad series. I would just say a slightly underwhelming series. But... It's disappointing to see somebody who you expect so much of to come out and not be a dud, but not be what you hoped they would be. Yeah, even though he still had a fine series, especially if for anybody else at the center position, except for like Embiid or Cat maybe, but or Vucevic. I'm going to stop naming names because I can name names all day. Um, but he has not been as effective as I think Denver fans would probably agree with us on this one. I mean, Jamal Murray has been playing very well. And so, I mean, that, that, that might play into a little bit. But still a little bit interesting to note that he's not having as good a series as originally planned. Um, I'm going to segue into, I hate that I just did that, into the next topic. I don't need to hear a sassy comment about that. I mean, you can offer one up. Oof. Oof. I'm, this is why. This is... <laughs> Oof. Okay. Our okay. podcast. Anyways. Our podcast, the place you come for basketball information and serious judgment upon one another. Yeah. This is a great place for judgment. 
particularly from one of us to the other. But Raptors Celtics, I I'm, I know we've talked a little bit in the past about who we think is going to win this series. I want to ask you, what do you think will decide this series? I think that it comes down to one man, Pascal Siakam. If he can come out and play like he's been all season, I think Toronto wins this series. I don't think they win it. They probably win it in six. But I think that they look really good doing it. They have all of their pieces coming together. It's looking a whole lot like it did last season, where everything just started falling into place for them one after another. I think that Boston is going to be a difficult matchup for them. Jason Tatum has been playing out of his mind. But the Jason Tatum versus Pascal Siakam matchup is one that I'm super excited for. I think that Toronto absolutely has a shot at the finals and winning it this year. I need to see Kyle Lowry playing the kind of defense, the hustle plays we know Kyle Lowry can make. I want Fred Van Fleet hitting those shots that we know he can, those big-time jumpers. And Pascal Siakam has to dominate on both ends. He's got to be great offensively. He's got to be spectacular defensively. He has to continue to be strong. He needs to continue to be aggressive. If he can do all of those things, I think that as good as Marcus Spart and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, as I mentioned, are, I think that, especially with the injury to Gordon Hayward, it limits their options. They're not as deep as they could be. I think that Toronto's a deeper team that's also going to help them. I think this game goes, the series goes to the Raptors in six games. I think I predicted that before we started this bracket. I still feel confident in saying that. And I think that the player that it comes down to is Pascal Siakam. I think that he's got a really, really good chance of being a very special player in this association. I want to see him take another step toward that this next series. I think he has a very good chance of doing that. I think he's going to play very well, especially since Tatum. If I don't know if Tatum will be on him. I don't. I mean, he could, but if he did, if he is, he's a little bit smaller, just compared to Siakam. So that could be a matchup that favors Siakam. Um, to me, the thing that's going to decide this series it's the rectangle, the rectangle thingy, the paint, the the paint, the like the car, the rest of the court is tan usually, but it's like colored in. That is going to decide this. We're series. overkilling this joke, aren't we? Oh yeah, that's that's my thing, Sam. I try to overkill jokes because then they're just not funny to anybody except the person telling them. But the paint is going to be the huge key to this series. The Raptors have, on paper, a clear advantage right now. You got Gasol, you got Siakam in the starting lineup. I don't know if they start Gasol if they're going to start. I think they do start Gasol and then Ibaka's the sixth man. But all three of those guys. They look a lot stronger than guys like Daniel Tice and Ennis Cantor. Even though he's well-known for his post-defense, Ennis Cantor's going to have a tough time this series in the paint defending people because, you know. Um, <laughs> but I, st- I still think if the Celtics could somehow start to stem the tide from those guys in the Raptors scoring a bunch of the paint, that could flip the series in favor of the Celtics, even without Gordon Hayward. That's a big thing that Brad Stevens is going to have to figure out how to stop is the points in the paint. And it's going to be tough. They don't have the size or they do have some size, but just not the skill that you would want from an Easter Conference finals team, per se, in the paint, particularly going against the Raptors. So I think that series is going to be decided by the paint, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. The, num- um, the numbers you mentioned that Pascal Siakam was a little bit a little bit larger than Jason Tatum. Height-wise, they're both very similar. Siakam at 6'9", Tatum at 6'8". 
The wingspan is where there's a difference, though. Jason Tatum, 6'11 wingspan on a 6'8 person is still crazy. Don't get me wrong. But Pascal Siakam is 6'9 with a 7'3 wingspan. He's got, from fingertip to fingertip, that's Christoph's Porzingis size. It's crazy the length he has. Dang, am I close? No. No. Dude. You're, I, I'm guessing more than a foot off. Okay. Do I got a Muggsy Bogues here, though? You might. You yeah. might. Yeah. Maybe. For people, <laughs> for people just listening, this podcast has gotten to the point where people are just stretching their arms out on a Zoom call. Dude. Just trying to see if I got a Muggsy here. I think I got You it. might. Okay, that's good. But, yeah, Pascal Siakam just has the physical intangibles to get a bit of an advantage over Tatum in this series. And I think that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. That's all the topics we have. Sam, is there anything you'd like to add or anything you want me you want to discuss right now? All I can say is that I'm excited once play restarts. I believe Saturday they said it would be. So... I believe the day that this, the day after this comes out, I believe the day before this comes out, sometime around then. Day before. Day before so this comes out, by, the NBA. By will. now, you'll have all seen the games and you'll know how Absolutely. they turn out. I'm excited to sit down and watch those games. I'm excited to talk about what should be all the first round series wrapping up. By the time that we're doing this again, we can talk about round two. Yes, I'm very excited too. I don't know what series would still be going. I mean, hopefully none. Unless some series goes unless, to nine. Unless something unforeseen occurs. Which, something unforeseen occurred this week. That is true. We've never seen anything like this. This has been a series of or season of firsts for the NBA. But I'm going to be tuning into all these games. I'm not watching the Oklahoma City one, so I'm not going to see that. But I'm hopefully going to watch the rest of them. And it should be another awesome week of basketball once things start. A little bit of a gap here. A deserved gap. A gap I'm happy with. A gap I'm proud of. But... I'm excited to see some hoops again. But Sam, again, thank you for your time. You're a beast. Um, This was fun. Somewhat. Except for when you always bring up the thunder. Just sucking, dude. You don't have to do that on the pod. You don't have to do that on air. Um, But, yeah, everybody have an awesome week. I will see you guys. Or we. We. We're a team. We will see you guys next week. Have a good one, Sam. Have a good one, the patty.